Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, hi, babes. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. I have someone super cool on. Um, He is incredible. I was on his podcast back in December, I feel like it was. It feels like yesterday, but also so long ago at the same time. He's keeping things like so real with reality TV. You can talk to him five ever. That's more than four. Please welcome Brian K. James. Hi. Hi. Yes, I love that you like joined in with the air horns because sometimes people don't get it. I love that. I love air horns, gunshots, glass breaking. I love a good sound effect. Amazing. Yeah, especially like me being from like Staten Island. Whenever anyone would have a sweet sixteen, it would be like uh, shake what your mama gave you. Yes. <laughs> me being me being raised in Georgia most of my life, we we are always on freak neck time. So it's mm-hmm. always some type of ratchet that's going on. I'm with it. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um I want everyone to get to know you. So I'm just gonna dive right in and I'm gonna ask you, I ask everyone this when they come on my podcast. Super fun question, no pressure, but if you could pick anyone, like literally anyone who maybe had one appearance on Bravo, like Valter, to like a main cast member, anyone to be your Bravo bestie, who would it be and what would you do if you spent a day together? Okay, so I have to pick a Bravo celebrity. Do they have to be a housewife or just no, somebody on Bravo? No, it could literally Bravo? be like the guy in the back one time. Like it, it could be anyone. It could be a pet. It Thank would. You. Well, then my answer is easy. Kathy Griffin. Amazing. Wow. Easy. Kathy Griffin. She's the reason why I was watching Bravo for so many years. I watched all six seasons of my life on the D-list. I've seen all of the comedy specials. Um, I absolutely love her. She she has my favorite reality television show ever in existence. So I would definitely pick Kathy. Um, if I got to spend a day with her, um, what would we end up doing? Okay, well, I don't want to be cliche and say that I would start off by by in and interviewing her for my podcast, but I would. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it counts, it's fine. <laughs> that would be the first thing I would do, but like, let's get this interview out of the way. And then I would, you know, sit and reminisce about, you know, her career and the good times and things that she wants to do next. And I would drink box wine so that she could feel close to her mother. Amazing. And, you know, just sit and shoot the shit. Play with her dogs. I love her dogs. Friendships form. Yeah, like, 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 I would love and like just figure out what she does to stay, you know, so cool and nice. Because you know, I don't necessarily drink, but I would if I was around her just to keep calm. Totally, I got it. (laughs) But but yeah, so like, I would be trying to try to. Try, try, trying to figure out how not to have a heart attack and how to make Kathy Griffin laugh. I think that would be my main goal is to try to make Kathy Griffin of all people laugh. 
Totally. That'll definitely keep you busy for a while. So I love that. Um, this kind of transitions into my next question I always ask people, which is like, how did you get started in watching Bravo? And you did mention Kathy Griffin had something to do with that. So I want to hear more about it. She is definitely one of the main people, <coughs> excuse me, mm -hmm. who um, had me into Bravo. I was one of the original Bravo libs. So, like, if we're not going to talk about Kathy Griffin, then we have to talk about James Lipton from Inside the Actor Studio. Oh, my God. Yes. I forgot about all this. Favorite talk show of all time. I love Inside the Actor Studio. I still watch it every single day on, you know, um, YouTube and all of that type of stuff. Um, it, James Lipton is, like, my icon when it comes to um, the way that I interview people. Uh, I've seen every every single one of the ones that they've aired on Bravo. I think um, Inside the Actor Studio was airing for, like, 20-something seasons or something like that. Like, they've yeah. been airing for, forever. Um, I also was a big fan of the Rachel Zoe Project, Tabitha Coffee, Flipping mm -hmm. Out... Uh, a millionaire matchmaker, all the original Bravo libs before the Housewives took took over, but mm -hmm. yeah, definitely Kathy Griffin and James Lipton are the king and queen of Bravo for me. Totally. Um. So you obviously just mentioned all old school Bravo. Now, when they first started introducing the Real Housewives, like OC, that was the very first one. Um, were you sold on it, or did it take you a, a couple episodes to get into it? Um, I knew that I was going to watch just because Bravo was just one of those channels that I always watched anyway. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, they have a new reality show. I'll watch. And, you know, getting into it, I was sold, but not as immediately sold as I could have been. I think because the reason why I stayed around for OC was because they were like my friend's moms growing up. Because I grew up in the suburbs of Georgia. And so I, so I grew up around a lot of white kids and their moms. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the kids' moms in my neighborhood were just like the Real Housewives. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. So then I stuck around, it was fun, it was cool or whatever. And then I ended up watching the other franchises and and then by the time they, they um, circled around to Atlanta, that's when I became hooked because then I was like, oh, these are like my mom. Yeah. And her aunt, my mother and her friends, these are like my aunties. Okay, now I really know these women. So um, I love that. So since you live in like the suburbs of Georgia, have you ever had the opportunity to like go while they were filming Atlanta? Because I live in LA and I go to like Vanderpump Rules tapings and stuff like that. I have not actually been able to catch anyone filming. Like I've been like like I've driven past filmings where, where like they've been filming at like restaurants and things or like you'll like see like them like sitting outside of somewhere filming something. But I've never actually been like in the restaurant while they were filming and like having the argument. Like I've never gotten to get that type of footage. Right. But I have been able to like drive by and like see them outside somewhere filming or like seeing them walking down the street filming or you know little small things like that um mm -hmm. but I've never actually been able to like like get in and like get some exclusive tea or like get like 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 like, like, like you know sneak a video or something like that right. but I've been close but not on the inside 
Yeah, you know what's funny? I just remembered. I don't know why I always forget this, but my friend's sister, um, when she worked at Tao in New York City, she was the waitress um when they were there and like Candy was pregnant, um, and they got into the big fight in the restaurant. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember that. Insane? Oh wow. So she got all the exclusives. She was like, girl, let me tell you what happened at my job tonight, girl. Yeah, she said they were pretty much like as crazy as like they come off on TV. And then there was the whole thing about like taking the food to go and all that. Like she said it was a fun time. Okay, so like why does everybody make such a big deal of taking to-go baskets and doggy bags? Like is that ghetto or am I just tripping? Like, I, I just- listen, I, I agree with you. I'm with you. I take the doggy bags. Uh, recently, I went to cover something for Taste Made um, with my friend. It was like a champagne and caviar event, but I don't eat meat or fish. So like my friend was the caviar eater. <laughs> and they had no problem like packing up her caviar to go. Like there were some leftovers of things. And so, you know what? I just feel like it's an unnecessary stigma. Just like pack up the damn food. It's going to go to waste. Especially on Housewives. It's like, y'all get into a fight before the damn appetizers come. I would be, to j- just bring me all my shit into go box. Like, if it were me and I was on Housewives and Bravo was actually dumb enough to hire me, I would order all of my food into go boxes. So when the shit got going, I, I would just close up the plate, grab my purse, and head it to the dough. I- I- nope, not today. I'm going to steal that from you. I, I absolutely love that. Um, on Over the weekend, I went out for my birthday with some friends. And listeners of the That's show will know. Um, oh, thank you. Chad Liston, he was on a, an episode a couple weeks ago. And he was there. And he was trying to tell, like, a story, like, you know, about his kids. Like, a more heartfelt story to one of my other friends. And every time he opened his mouth, the poor waiter would come over and, like, ask us something. And he's like, I feel like I'm on the housewives right now. I would have embraced that moment. I would have started asking all type of difficult questions. Do you have a dry, buttery Chardonnay? Do you have, like, like do, do you have been in an extra long stem glass? Like, <laughs> like, 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 I would just start asking random ass questions. Since you trust since you dying to be in my mouth. Can I have another salad fork? I ain't got no salad. Can I have another salad fork? Like, can I have a, a steak knife for my catfish? Like, I would just start asking stupid questions. Oh my God, I love that you seem to have a plan for every scenario. Like, we stand a person with a plan because, listen, I have no plans all the time or it'll be the opposite and I'll, like, over plan in my head and then when the moment comes up, I'm like, uh... Well, I'm a true Virgo's Virgo. So I live by, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So I try to stay as prepared as I can for any and everything. So just in case some shit does pop off, then I have a game plan or at least a a a, a pathway to a game plan. I love that. You're giving Virgos a good name because I dated one once and it was terrible. You know, I'm trying because Virgo. We Virgos get a hard rap out here. <laughs> you do. I'm here for a Virgo in these astrological streets. I'm just saying, we get it hard out here. 
Yeah, but well, I try to ease it by saying, you know, like my birthday is one day after Michael Jackson's. It's the same day as Cameron Diaz's, and it's like three days before Beyonce's. Cut me some slack. Oh, you are like in the the path of greatness right there. You know, I'm trying. You know, I, I've got great shoulders to stand on. <laughs> that is amazing. So before you spoke a little bit about your podcast, obviously we we're talking about Kathy Griffin. So why don't you tell um, our, my listeners, uh, I call my babes, my besties, why don't you give them more info about your podcast, how I got started, like some of the things you talk about? Of course. Hi, besties. Um, <laughs> my my podcast is called Real Reality Realness with Brian K. James, and it is a talk show podcast where Monday through Friday, I interview different figures in music, reality television, pop culture, and the entertainment industry on their life stories, their platforms, and their journeys to their own personal greatness. And how that podcast started, it was actually a reality TV recap show. Mm-hmm. I was going to just watch my favorite reality shows, recap them, talk a little shit, and just keep it moving. Um, and the reason that was is because I actually had a YouTube channel before this. Well, I still, you know, utilize it. Um, but that's how my YouTube channel got started because I had a whole stint on YouTube where I would was like a regular calling into people's YouTube panel shows. Um, I'm not sure if you know who the YouTuber is called, uh, called, um, uh, 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 Adam. I feel like I, I'm um, used to call Yeah, um, I used to call into his morning show, Hot Messy Topics, like, every day, and so oh, I, I was a regular, yeah, so I, um, was a regular on, on, um, his show, um, Kempire was the first channel that I ever called into, and so I just got great responses from calling into their channels that their that their subscribers actually convinced me to start a YouTube channel. And so I did, and I got a great response to it. I started off talking about the housewives and recapping housewives and all of that stuff. And then it kind of transitioned into me talking about the um about the about the nuances of of, you know, um social awareness within the pop culture space. So I would be talking about housewives, but I would be talking about things that were racist, things that were colorist, things that were problematic, things that I found issues with, um, you know, things like that. And then it expanded to, you know, pop culture. Long story short, that eventually transitioned into the podcast when I took a three-month break from my YouTube channel for mental health reasons. And I popped back up with, with the uh, podcast. Well, I started doing interviews with content creators and it just kind of grew from there. And the response to my interviews kind of became the main focus of my show. And I ended up just leaning into that. And now we have the show that we have today. That was a really long answer. I'm sorry. That was a really great answer. Um, Follow-up question on that. Like, P.S. I love long answers because it gives me like juice for follow-up questions. So you mentioned um, that you were focusing on like social awareness and social injustice and rather um, in like the space of pop culture. So knowing all the shows we have on Bravo right now, like, are there any issues, if you, wow, <laughs> any issues <laughs> that come to mind, like, immediately that you've been talking about lately, or any, like, hot topics or anything you want to share? Can I curse, and which franchise do you want to Please, start with? please, go, go. 
Uh, okay, which franchise do you want to start with? Because they're all a fucking mess. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, Every last one of them is problematic in their own ways. All right. Well, I mean, I guess New Jersey's on right now. How about we talk about Jersey, my people? New Jersey, it's yeah. I can't even call Jersey problematic. More so as I just call it toxic to the. To, toxic to the family narrative mm -hmm. um jersey is the only one that i don't have direct like social justice issues with i just think that they for the same reasons that i fell in love with jersey are the are, are the exact same reasons that i hate the show now yeah it, because i loved jersey because it was so based in family and that added an instant realism to New Jersey for me be because it was a, a real true blue family show with the Manzos and the uh, and the Loritas and then they brought in the Wakilis and the Gorgas and it was a whole thing like 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 this was a family show I loved that's what made Jersey iconic for me agree but at this point I'm the type of person I can't have conflict without resolution right yeah. So if y'all not going to solve it or let it go, stop talking about it, mm -hmm. right? So with the whole Teresa versus Melissa, I'm real sick of it. I'm just yeah. tired of it. I'm st I don't want to hear nothing about Teresa and Melissa ever again. I really want, like, I'm glad that it came out at the last reunion that they, like, I'm glad that they finally said it out loud, that they don't fuck with each other and they not going to fuck with each other. Yeah. Like... Put us out of our misery already. We know y'all are never going to like each other. Y'all ain't never going to be cool. Y'all ain't never going to be homegirls. Y'all ain't never going to have tea and sprinkle cookies. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so stop trying to make this a sort of, like, stop trying to make fetch happen. Right. It's never going to happen. A hundred percent. And especially I feel like we as viewers, I feel like sometimes networks don't give us enough credit and I feel like this might be an example of that because it's the same shit they're feeding us. And they're probably like, well, you know, they love all the drama. And it's like, all right, we, we're past this. How many years have we spent on this now? Like seven, eight, like time for a new narrative. Seven, like y'all done put both y'all parents in the grave and y'all still out here. I, I, I can like wild banshees at a damn cookout. Mm. Let it go. Y'all don't oh. like each other. Get over it. And we don't care. We don't even want y'all to get along anymore. Like, yeah. we don't even want y'all to be cool no more. Like, like we would rather y'all just stay as far away from each other as possible. I'll go to both panels at BravoCon, long as I don't got to hear about this shit on the season. <laughs> totally. Um, I just thought of now, New York was put on pause, and then they brought back, like, a whole new cast. So messy. I know there was a lot that <laughs> happened last season. Uh, are you willing to share your thoughts on that? I'm an open book, baby. You can ask me any and everything. Amazing. Um, I think, well, let, let, let me start with this and then I'm going to work backwards. Okay. Everybody that said that I was crazy when I said that the legacy season of Roni wasn't going to happen, all y'all owe me $20. Because I told y'all this months ago and I've been saying that legacy was not going to happen. I've been saying this. I've been saying it. Pay me my money. My my cash app is Brian Corday James. It's real hard to spell. Just go look in the link in my my, my bio and you'll find it. It's fine. 
But, but y- y'all owe me money because I've been saying this. I've been saying, like, y'all not going to do this. They they are not going to do this. Right. And then on top of that, Luann been telling y'all that this ain't going to happen for months. Because if you notice over the past six months, every single time Luann got asked about Legacy, she would look like she got asked where was she on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she would get nervous. She would start sweating. She acting like she on the last question on who wants to be a millionaire. Like, she like <laughs> she is nervous. Like, she don't know nothing. She don't, she ain't got no phone calls. She don't know nothing. Like, she, like, Luann was acting like Mariah Huck from Married to Medicine when she was standing in her mailbox waiting on that contract. Yeah. That's how she was looking. <laughs> and I was like, if that's not a dead giveaway that this legacy season ain't gonna happen, I don't know what is. Legacy season was the easiest season to cast. Yeah. Why? Um, like that should have been out already. I agree. That, that should have been out. I definitely like, agree. Y'all with should, you. Like, I was saying that too when like the news of it all first dropped. I'm like, we could have had it just like ditch Ramona, and people were coming after me like she's the shot. Like I can't fucking stand Ramona. Like I never liked her from day one. But you're, you're right. Like, you had the people. What were they doing? Um, are you going to watch the new people? I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah. Just for the sake of giving it a chance. Because I because I was born in the 90s. And, you know, they say don't knock until you try it. Right. So I give it a couple episodes just to see what it's going to give. Am I excited about it? No. No. <laughs> I totally I'm get not. it. I'm not excited about it at all. Um, and I never, and you know what's crazy about the reboot of Roni? Mm-hmm. It's caused me to react to this new cast in a way that I never thought I would react to a Real Housewives show. Right. Because I used to be the person to be like, get me all new people. I'm tired of y'all finding celebrities that ain't got nothing else to do with their time to just come on and act a fool. Get me some real people that ain't got nothing else to do but show their ass and spend money. And now they done did just that. And I'm like, I don't recognize none of y'all. Yeah. I think... I had a real adverse reaction to New York. I was like, there are so many people y'all should have put on this show. And I don't know none of them people. But I ain't saying they don't deserve it. We'll see in the first three episodes. I'll give y'all three episodes. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think there was so much left unfinished about the previous season of New York. Like, we didn't Mm -hmm. get a reunion. Um, and was it Ramona's time to leave? Absolutely. Could they gotten rid of like Sonia and Luann and just move them to legacy and then kept Leah and Ebony? Maybe it's a hot take, but I personally think so because I felt for sure Ebony's storyline like was not resolved whatsoever. And I feel like Ebony didn't have the chance to blossom as a housewife because she was too busy like dealing with Ramona's questions all the time. I agree with you 10 million percent. I feel like it, I, I, I feel like she was set up to fail. Mm. I feel like that's the biggest reason why I'm not excited about the new cast of Roni because I'm like, where the hell is Ebony? She's the whole, y'all try to put it on her as she's the whole reason why this whole thing happened in the first place but yet y'all don't include her in the show. Okay, well, I'm not excited. That's points off already. Y'all already started in the negative with me. Yeah. So... So that doesn't make any sense. And then y'all set this black woman up to fail. Now, for me, the only hot take in your perspective on this Mm -hmm. is Leah McSweeney being anywhere around black people. 
I don't want Leah McSweeney nowhere near black people ever again in life. The reason why is because what we saw on this last season of Roni Mm -hmm. was Leah McSweeney utilizing the fact that the show put her and Ebony together. She utilized the plight of not only Ebony, black people, the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. and George Floyd's murder. Not only for a storyline, but as a pinpoint and a dartboard to pin her fellow castmates against for things that were just so bad, they were cancelable. She was trying to get her castmates canceled based on Black people's pain. Mm. I don't fuck with that. Yeah. I don't want that woman nowhere near Black people. And the fact that every time I see this woman on the internet, she hugged up with some rapper somewhere. And the fact that when, when Ebony came to her in actual distress and was like, Luann just called me an angry black woman, which she actually didn't call her an angry black woman. She just alluded to it. But that's neither here nor there. The the point that I'm trying to make is that when that information was relayed to somebody who was supposed to be Ebony's friend, watch that scene. Mm -hmm. Leah jumped up and rejoiced. Like she found out she just won $3,000 for a damn scratch-off ticket. Right. She jumped up and rejoiced, like, yes, I got her. I can't believe it. She did what? And then she realized that Ebony just needed somebody to be a friend to her mm-hmm. in that moment. Because what we were sitting there watching that whole season was Ebony being put into this situation, not only as a new cast member who does not have a real connection to any of these, wim- these women, mm-hmm. but she's also put into this situation as a Black woman who is a political commentator who speaks on black issues like like she was the person she was the person for this job but the problem is she was put into this group not knowing none of these women and she was put in the position to wag her finger at all these women's problematic ways without having any type of context or relationship with these women. Had she had a season where she could have actually gotten to know them and figure out who they are and just kind of let her analysis of them kind of be in the background, then she could have spent her second season after she's developed some sort of camaraderie or some sort of familiarity with them, actually going into the intricacies of why she felt the way that she felt the, the season before. Right. And she could have talked about, well, this is why I said what I said in my confessional. This is why I felt what I felt in this scene. This is why I said what I said. Because based on these type of nuances, these type of microaggressions, these type of privileges that you don't recognize that that you have because you have no no uh, no reason to be aware of these things, you rubbed me the wrong way in these ways. Leah had a whole season where she got to fight with Ramona and not be alienated from the rest of the group. And then her second season, she got to figure it out. Ebony didn't get that. She came in as the big, bad black woman coming to get her reparations for all things Black Lives Matter. And that's not what that's not how you introduce somebody to a friend group nor a television show. So not only did the not. Not only were the women on the show put off by her, but the audience was put off by her because you also got to see her edited down into just finger-waving, race-related moments. Yeah. Which were all accurate, if I may recall. Right. 
Um, we know that historically Bravo has not been the best with incorporating diversity with once they do incorporate diversity, as you so greatly mentioned about the whole Ebony situation, not introducing it the right way. So let's say we wake up one morning and you, Brian, like are hired, you're running the casting department at Bravo. What are some ways that you would tackle this issue to improve it? I would start from the inside because mm -hmm. I feel like the problem is like the women that are put on the show are only part of the problem, but it takes a whole team of people to get these specific women onto television. It takes the whole casting department. It takes the whole production team. It takes the editors. It takes, you know, all of these people who put this show together to put these women in front of the audience's faces. Yeah. So I feel like where the diversity needs to start is within the production and, uh, and within the executive department. Mm -hmm. I feel like there would need to be more diversity within the casting, within the editing bay, because there's a lot of problematic ass things that the editors of these shows let go on television that are triggering to people of color without any type of warning. Yeah. And it continues to happen on a regular basis, and yet we can get these disclaimer moments for these random type of shit that is that is blatantly obvious, but yet no one cares enough to look into the nuances of race when it comes to how these shows are edited. So there's a lot of problematic shit that gets shown on TV that we just have to deal with. Yeah. Um, I would start I, there. I feel like we've even seen it now with the rumored new cast member of Salt Lake City. Um, and then with, um, what's her face? Angie from Salt Lake City, like posing with someone, I think it was in a White Lives Matter t-shirt. I feel like just Bravo doesn't learn their lesson. They're kind of like the Bachelor franchise. I mean, the Bachelor franchise is like, if we're comparing people like in effort, like they've taken half a step forward and Bravo's just done like a full step, but Bravo still has a mm -hmm. long way to go by all means. Absolutely. Because casting Housewives of Color is only one part of the issue because see, there's two sides of that coin. Mm -hmm. One, they cast these, these Housewives of Color and don't protect them from the other women on the show and from the racist ass fandom. Right? Yeah. But then two, we get we get diversity in housewives, but we don't all, but we also think that just because they're not white, that it's okay. Other races who are not non-white can be racist. Mm -hmm. You get what I mean? Yeah. Just because minorities in America do not have the ability to be racially oppressive to white people in America does not mean that they cannot be racially offensive to each other. Black people can be racist racist to Asian people and Asian people can be racist to black people as we clearly saw with yeah. Jenny Wynn. Oh my God. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really important point that you just brought up because, you know, not people like pe not many people look at that or realize that. Mm -hmm. So like Salt Lake City for me is one of the most integral examples for me of where introducing diversity goes wrong because not only have we had one 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 racist housewife we've we've also had one racially insensitive housewife both of them were housewives of color mary cosby and jenny Wynn. yeah only on bravo do we experience 
two housewives with really racial with 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 really racially ignorant positionings on the same show and they're both women of color. Right. Like where like where they do that at? <laughs> no, you're so this right. Is this is what I mean when I say it's not just about casting people of color. Diversity is not the problem. You also have to have good people of moral character. Mm-hmm. But yet what but yet people cuss me out when I say, morally speaking, a lot of these housewives are fucked up. I can't tell you how many times people have told me, well, I don't watch housewives for moral character or I don't watch housewives for, you know, people with good morals. So you mean to tell me that just because these people are scheming, scamming and stealing and robbing on TV that it makes it okay? Mm. Think of, like, 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 I'll um take this um back to a post that I posted and, and just take this directly back to what I was saying about the executives. Let's yeah. take this to Andrew Orenthal Cohen. I, I don't I know if that's know his middle name, middle but that's name. just what I call him. Wait, is that really his middle name? I have no idea, but it sounds yeah, like I was it works, right? up. I honestly have no idea, but that's his middle name to me. Okay, Andrew Orenthal Cohen. Go ahead. See, the problem is, like, prime example, he said that, and I'll take race out of it, he said that he wishes, you know, Jen Shaw wouldn't get jail time, you know, her not being on the show is really dependent on if she goes to jail or not, ah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. The reason why he says that is because she's great television, right or wrong. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's putting money in his pocket. So I made a post on Facebook and I, or no, um, I'm sorry. I haven't used Facebook in years, but I tagged him in this on Instagram. I made a post about this on Instagram and I said, I wonder if Jen Shaw stole money from Andy Cohen's parents like he did like like she did the rest of those um, senior citizens, would he be so willing and free willing to let her back on Bravo? Mm. I wonder if Jen Shaw robbed his mama and daddy, would he be just, oh, she's great TV? You're right. I wonder. I wonder if somebody sent death threats to Ben and Lucy, like they sent death threats to Jack, Mm. would he be so willing to be so ignorantly mishandling of the way that he handled that situation and race in general because that Beverly Hills Housewives reunion was extremely problematic and caused me to to make two special episodes of my show specifically addressing Andy and Crystal Kung Minkoff for the way that they are just... the the way that those two handled race mm-hmm. on that reunion was despicable. Yeah. Once again, Crystal is an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that she handled race on that reunion, I she really made me feel like she has only experienced racism secondhandly on Twitter. Mm. The way that... The things that she picks apart... In that, in those situations, when it comes to race, like saying requesting Michael Jackson music is problematic, she's the type of people. 
that represent the community of my generation that says, oh, you're so overly sensitive. Y'all make a problem out of anything because you pick the wrong shit to make a stance about. She picks the wrong time to pull the race card. Mm. Not to mention, not to mention she just doesn't take accountability for the weight of, for, for the weight of the things that she says. But that's a whole nother situation. I say all of that to say, once again, casting Housewives of Color is only a small part of the solution. Yeah. Because there have been problematic housewives in Atlanta and Potomac, and every single one of them helpers is Black. So before we talked a little bit about how there are some problematic housewives. I mean, obviously we've had that with every season. What do you mm. think is an appropriate way to handle these issues? Because sometimes they're booted off the show. Like look at, um, well, she's not a housewife, but look at like Stassi Schroeder and Kristen Doty. Um, and sure. then now Jenny Wen with what she did. Do you think that um, taking them off the show completely is appropriate? Do you think there should be some sort of learning curve on camera? Do you think there's a, another way to handle it? I think that there should be some sort of acknowledgement and accountability placed on camera. Mm -hmm. Like these women's actions are being displayed on camera. I feel like they should be held to task on camera. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like there should be at least an opportunity for a learning curve if that if that reality personality wants to take that step. You know what I mean? And I yeah. feel like that's something that is hard because it almost places us in a mindset of like, okay, are you genuinely doing this as a learning opportunity or, or are you doing this to keep your job? You know what I mean? So I do feel like there should be an acknowledgement and a pause put in place. Yeah. And I feel like you should put the girl on pause and give them the opportunity to come back if down the line they show appropriate growth and behavior change. I don't think it should be a cold, clean firing. I think it should be put them on pause, give them an opportunity give them an opportunity to do what they need to do without the incentive of being on camera and getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. I want you to go out there and get it on your own. If you want to really learn how to be an anti-racist, go out there and do it on your own without having to be paid, without having an incentive, without, you know, the possibility of maybe getting back on the show. I want you to think your ass is fired. And then based on what we see, because there's no difference between being put on pause and being fired. They right. just don't renew your contract. So it's the right. exact same thing. The only difference is the intention on what the network plans plans to do with your ass down the road. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, make them girls think they fired. Cut, cut their ass off. And then see what they do. Give them two years. Stassi, yeah. she went and did the work. Cam and Westcott went and did the work. I was I just going to ask you if you thought of any... Um, yeah. I was going to ask you if you had any examples, so I'm glad you brought that up. I have not read Stassi's second book, which mm -hmm. in my paraphrased synopsis is basically um, the book about her learning how to be an anti-racist. Yeah. Um, 
for basically what she learned about getting canceled for being racist. And um, I would love to see what she learned. However, when I present that learning curve to you, um, her entire journey was documented. Her entire, uh, I'll just say her anti-racism journey was mm-hmm. documented on her Patreon. Right. Right. So I have two minds on that. Does a woman have to pay her bills? Yes. Does she have to make money? Yes. But don't you have other content that you could be putting on your Patreon to make money and pay your bills with? Oh, I didn't know that was the content. I thought it was just about, like, her kid. I, I'm not saying that's the only content. Okay. But w- but from what I was told by somebody who did subscribe to her Patreon. <coughs> excuse me. You're fine. That was the content. That was part of the um, content was her documenting her whole learning about, you know, cultural, you know, things and, you know, how to not be insensitive and, you know, all of those things. So my thing is what leads to me understanding someone questioning the sincereness of that is you got a whole Instagram that you was posting on this whole time. Why didn't you post that shit on Instagram for free? Why do we have to pay for you? Why do we have to pay to figure out that you were out here actually doing what you were supposed to do? That's a really valid point. And also, like, my line of thinking is if you know you have people to apologize to and you have accountability to take, why would you put that up behind a paywall? Wouldn't you want everyone to see that? Especially if you want us to actually believe that you're going on this journey for intentional and real purposes after you cared your ass out here and said, well, me apologizing to Faith was for nothing because I still got fired anyway. Mm -hmm. See, people forget the intricacies of this situation and the the situations that go on. It's like, Safi, I want to forgive you because I like you. I like Safi as a reality television star. But however, that's why I call myself you know, housewives, human resources, because it's not personal. It could be anybody's. And I would feel the exact same way. It's just business. It's just business. And at the end of the day, this is like, girl, you, 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 you have given the impression multiple times that your awareness journey has been for financial gain and for selfish purposes and not for the intention of what it is meant for. So therefore me, my hesitation in actually purchasing her book, which references Marie Antoinette as an analogy to her learning to not mm-hmm. be canceled, which I think is a very interesting reference if you know the story of, many, yeah. of Marie Antoinette. <laughs> which, I just think that's very interesting, but girl, I mean, you know, sue me. I yeah, no, to, I get it. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, I haven't read the book because I'm like, well, girl, you ain't really giving me much of a reason to do it. Yeah. Like now, like, like now you want me to buy your book and give you more money to learn about how you learned how to not be a racist. Hmm. That's so interesting. How do I welcome that back to Vanderpump Rules? Even though I agree that Stasi on Vanderpump Rules would be amazing. However, from a human resources perspective, how do I allow that back on television? 
I appreciate um, the candor as well as the duality, duality, duality of what you just said, because <laughs> I feel like so many people, you know, you have social media, there's tons of commenters. I feel like they're like, well, no, it's got to be one way or the other. There's no middle line. Like you either feel this way and support or you feel this way and like you're against us. And I feel like you're, you just made the point like, no, there is a middle ground. It doesn't mean we let people off the hook, but you know, we have to examine things and choose the best situation and choose the best opinion from there. Yeah. I feel like each situation is different and not all people are a monolith. Just, uh, just like all black people, not the same, all, all Asian people, not the same, all races ain't the same either. Yeah. Ooh, that was so, powerful. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. So, so we got to take them as they come and figure out what to do with them as they go. Just like the same situation with Jenny Wynn, when she brought, <laughs> we ain't even going to go there, but like <laughs> the way that that whole situation was handled and she chicken George her black friend on yeah. Instagram live for sympathy points and literal browning points, pun intended. Um, I just, how, where, but y'all can go watch my YouTube videos on Jenny Wynn because I don't, (laughs) this, this podcast will get dark real quick. Let's just leave Jenny out of this. God bless her. Yeah, I encourage everyone to go check out um, your YouTube and your podcast because you just have Really informative, um, I was going to say informative information, but isn't that redundant, Diana? (laughs) Really informative topics and um, resources on there. And also, I love how you refer to yourself as Housewives HR, because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a position Bravo could benefit from having. They, You know what? I found this out recently, and I can't remember if the person that told me said this on the podcast or not, so I'm not going to say their name, just in case. But I'll tell you off mic. But love it. this person told me when they went to BravoCon, they met somebody from Bravo's social responsibility department. Huh. Let me just say that one more time for everybody under the sound of my voice. Yeah. Bravo Network has a social responsibility department. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for just a millisecond. So as we're letting that sink in, the first thing that immediately comes to mind is like, who makes up this? His email? name and what's his number? What's his email address? I need an interview. To, I need yeah. a camera. Now, yeah, that I and like, if I've never needed Andy in a camera. It's been in that moment. Yeah, and is it a group of diverse people, or is it like you know how Abercrombie and Fitch was ran by an old skinny white guy? You know, which I mean, we should. A lot of us should have known better, including me. <laughs> When it comes to Abercrombie and Finch. Listen, you, you know what? You walk past their store, it smells really good. We were all young. Ciao. I, ciao. <laughs> I, I, we were all young. We didn't know no better. 
I did know better, but I was going through some identity issues at the time. I was figuring out I liked white boys with big butts. It was a whole mess, but I was oh, raised amazing. by activists. It was a lot going on. Yeah, it, 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 it was a lot going on. Like, I was literally, like, raised by former members of the Black Star Party. So, like... I so like this whole activism mindset like really runs in my DNA in real life. Yeah. But then I got in high school and I realized like I don't have a type. And then I started meeting like white boys with big butts and it changed my life. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my but I say that to say I don't discriminate against anybody. I found someone sexy of every single race, nationality, ethnicity. So, 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 so if I find you attractive, I find you attractive. Now, if you happen to have a big ass, that's definitely bonus five extra points for you. That's definitely five extra points. That that's definitely a head start for me. Oh my god, mm-hmm. amazing! So, I guess I want to ask one final question. And you spoke about mm-hmm. activism. You know, you're getting the word out there. Your housewives HR. Let's look down the road, like five years from now. What do you hope to accomplish with your platform and where do you see yourself? In five years, I hope to be able to have looked back on this podcast and really have had all the conversations that I've wanted to have to lay the platform for the conversations that I want to have in the future. Mm-hmm. I think that I structured this podcast as a talk show that releases five episodes for a reason. It's because I really want to um, solidify my readiness and my competence to be able to handle a platform like that, whether it be a talk show, whether it be a radio show. I want to do both in the future. Um, So I think that I want to, in five years, really be able to look back at this and say that I've really set the stage for all the things that I have coming up. Um, I think so far I've been able to do that with hopefully some of the projects that I have coming out this year. I'll definitely start to establish that. But I want to take what I've started with this podcast and just grow into other mediums, whether it be corresponding on television, my own show, um, being a personality on different shows, coming and speaking on different things. Um, I would love to just continue to be like one of those like pop culture realists, I guess. I don't really have a um, word for it. Like I always like like to say that I'm a social awareness enthusiast. Yeah. Um, so I would love to be doing that just in the pop culture space and just continuing to grow my platform, grow this podcast, continue to do other things. And um, yeah, I feel like there's an answer somewhere in all of that tangent that there I There Um, I was just going to say, I I think you have a lot to say and I think people should listen to it. You have a very, um, like a friendly way about you. So it's when you're talking about these difficult topics and you're, you're talking from emotion, you're not being rude about it. Right. And I know rude is perspective, but like you have a way that, that disarms people that makes them want to listen. And, you know, so I think that's rare. Um, and I think you have a gift for it and people should freaking listen to you. 
I appreciate that. You know, I I I appreciate you for having me on on this platform because I don't get to have a lot of these conversations on my podcast anymore yeah. because I just do a talk show where I interview people all day. So like I'm really more so letting these people come on and tell their life stories and you know talk to them about their platforms and the things that they have going on. So I don't really get get to give a lot of my perspective anymore. I, I'm trying to get back into doing my live show, but I'm re re-strategizing it. I'm trying to figure out something new to do with it. So I'm taking a break from it right now. But I love to have these type of conversations. I just don't get to have them as often um um now because, you know, I do, you know, two to three interviews a day, seven days a week. So yeah. I'm pretty much all up in everybody else's business right now. <laughs> busy busy. Um, well, Brian. you're welcome anytime, Brian. Seriously, I feel like every time I talk to you, I just learn so much and have fun at the same time. And uh, where can everyone find you? Like, plug all the things. Well, thank you so much. That's of the course. goal. I, I, you know, try to, you know, give the girls a word. Well, I, I like to say on my show that I keep the mess in the message. <laughs> Amazing. Because I'm really a hot ass mess, but I always have, have something powerful to say. I'm we speak because I'm going to make that the title of this episode and quote it from you. Keeping the mess in the message. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have it for free. I love it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, y'all can find me at Real Reality Realness with Brian K. James. Real Reality Realness um, is on all streaming platforms, Apple, Google, iHeart. Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible, um, Pocket Cast, Overcast, etc. Because those are all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but we're on all of those things. I air new episodes Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Central. Um, we have all types of interviews from all different types of people, from rappers, reality stars, Drag queens. I've had people from America's Next Top Model, RuPaul's Amazing. Drag Race, Dragula, all the web reality shows, Chasing Atlanta, On the Way Up, Set It Off, all the shows, all the shows, My Lifestyle, um, great conversations. Um, you you can catch that show Monday through Friday. You you can follow me personally at Brian Corday James. I'm not going to spell the entire name. If you go to we'll put the real the show reality realness. <laughs> Well, what, well, the easiest way to find me is if you go to the Real Reality Realness page, everything is tagged there. My actual Instagram is tagged in the bio. So, like, you can just click my, my, my page from that bio and just go straight to it so, so you don't have to spell it. But pretty much my name is spelled B-R, the word I, N. Oh, I see now. Wow, that took me, that took me a whole, what, hour to, to realize that until you told me. It, you know, oh it's God. very third eye shit. Yeah, you know, Brian is my third eye. So I swear know. I got a 4.0 in college. I really did. I'm not just shitting everyone. <laughs> well, I, well I, I like to blame that on me being a rapper. So mm -hmm. I, I like to, you know, remix and rephrase words and, like, make things really more creative than they necessarily need to be. Yeah. So, so my name is actually pronounced Brian James. It's just spelled really, really funny. I love but, it. Well, you break it down like that. It's just B-R, the word I, N, Brian. Well, you yeah. heard him. 
make sure you go follow him on all the things, support all the things, um, rate, review, both of our podcasts, five stars, because, you know, we take time out of our lives to do this for you, and, and we appreciate you, but, like, come on, give us some love. <laughs> Me showering the it's listeners the some love. It's yeah. the least you could do. We like we put in a lot of work. Like, listen, I listen to this show, so I know she work hard over here, and oh. I know damn damn well that that I work hard on my show. We deserve this. The least you could do is leave us five stars. You ain't gotta leave a whole comment and a rating and all that. We would like you to, but the least you could do is leave us the damn five stars. Come on, now show us a little love. Yeah, just the tippity tap at the bottom. We work hard for y'all. We do. Well, with that, I'm going to say thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you all for listening to the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. I will talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.